father's lightsaber. What? Lightsabers, precious? Delay. We moves into the new studio space. Everything's so lovely and nice. We loves it here. <laughs> but in the recording, since it has wood floors and it's got blank walls, it sounds like it's an echoey freaking cave. <laughs> we hates it. The stupid fat Hobbitses forgot to put up any sort of sound barrier or sound muffling. So for now. Enjoy the echoey sound of this episode! We hope she likes it. Hello, and welcome to What's Lightsabers Precious? The Lord of the Rings and Star Wars Encyclopodcast for your waste time and fictional wikis. I'm Ryan. And I am Joanna. We are back after a two-week hiatus, for which we apologize semi-sincerely. We are in our new studio space now. Um, this is episode 35? I don't remember. 34 was last week. That's the one we didn't release because it was so bad. Yeah, it was a disaster. It was an absolute disaster. We tried something a little bit different. Um, we did uh, the Klingon, the Witch, and the Wardrobe where we covered Narnia and Star Trek, and it just didn't didn't work. Producer Gollum did a dramatic reading as Mr. Tumnus. It was utterly macabre. Um, it will so never be released, so don't ask for it. We're going to bury that way deep down. But yeah, that's why there was no new episode last week. It definitely had nothing to do with the fact that we moved house and I got a new job and I was really stressed. Yeah, so welcome. Yeah, welcome. Ryan, do you have any... Oh, you know what? I think we both have some news that sort of dovetails nicely with each other. Do share. Dominic Monaghan will be reuniting with J.J. Abrams, with whom he worked on Lost. Oh, yeah. Like Ten years ago or something. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to be in the new Star Wars. A hobbit in the Star Wars. Mary Doc Brandy Buck himself. Pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. No one knows who he's going to be playing yet. Nope, no idea. Along with a few other casting choices like Carrie Russell and Matt Smith and Richard E. Grant. We don't know who they're playing. No idea. We just know the actors. That's how publicity works these days. Like, they sell movies based on what actors are in them. Is that inside information? Is this kind of inside baseball? Yeah. Joanna. No, uh, I mean, I have friends in the film industry. I don't... They tell you that? Or is that how you're such an expert on this stuff? Like, here's a here's a hot take. They make movies and pr- produce them based on who's in them. Yeah. That's crazy. That's exactly. Like, I, I, I only learned that. I could I never, only learn that through my numerous Hollywood connections. I never thought of that before. Sometimes people like actors... And they'll go to the movies to see the actors that are in the movies. I never thought about it, but it's so true. It's so true. Like, once you lay it all out like that, it's like, God, I can't believe I never realized. My eyes are open. The scales have fallen from my eyes. You know, people also rush to the small screen to see actors they like. Like they might uh, with the upcoming Star Wars Resistance cartoon on Disney, which has a role for Oscar Isaacs as Poe Dameron. He's going to do voice acting? As Poe. Has he done voice acting before? I mean, he does the voice of Poe Dameron in the Star Wars movies. So, I mean, yes, in the sense that he is using his voice to act, but... Yeah, he's voice acting. Acting with his voice. Oh, okay. He's not a mime. Fine, then. There's a trailer out for the for the first look of it. Do you want to watch it? Yeah, let's watch it. I'm going to cut this part out. Now, wait a tick. What? Is this rotoscoped? It is CGI with cell shading animation. 
Wow. To give it an anime look. It, oh, to give it an anime look. I thought it was going for like a Zelda Wind Waker sort of kind look. Kind of. Kind of both. I don't know. Looks like a kid's cartoon, but we'll see. It might be fun. Yeah, it might be fun. I don't know. It's got mm-hmm. new cast of characters on some water planet and BB-8s in it, so... Anime-inspired animation is yeah. kind of hot right now. Yeah. Because... They had that Voltron that apparently yeah. had, like, 18,000 seasons in, like, two years. The character designs kind of remind me of Voltron. Yeah, that's why I brought it up. So, uh, so that's coming out. I'll check it out. We'll see what it's like. Nothing else. So, we should get right back into it. All right. Let's With, get right back on I that mean, horse. Where you got to educate the fans. Got to educate me. Got to educate you. Let's get educated. Let's school each other. Well, I uh, I outlined myself a tough road to hoe today. Let Why? me tell you. Because I am talking about Elvish. That's not so hard. That's the language elves speak. Um, it has a lot of apostrophes in it. And they like to talk about trees. It okay, is. I'm ext- done. No, well, right. Would you believe that the average language is slightly more complex than... It talks a lot about trees. Uh, English is a language with way too many words in it and a lot of inconsistencies, and it sucks, but everyone on Earth speaks it. That's my story of English. Everyone on Earth speaks it. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That's why that, That's why me, as a professional translator, I'm essentially yeah. obsolete. Yeah. Yeah, they just hired me for fun. See, languages are easy when you boil them down like that. Yeah. I'm about to try and boil down Elvish, and it was difficult to try and capture the features of Elvish that give it its sort of essence is je ne sais quoi without getting really deep in the weeds and boring everybody. So I assume you're going to be giving this presentation in Elvish. Hell no. (laughs) Here's the thing. You can't even criticize me for not speaking Elvish because nobody speaks Elvish and we will get into that in a moment. No humans. Well, okay. uh, Yeah, the elf. No, no living mortal. Okay. Speaks Elvish. And that's because it's not actually, like, a full language. But we'll get into that in a second. So Elvish was extremely important to J.R.R. Tolkien Mm -hmm. as a professional linguist. In fact, he is quoted as saying in his letters, The invention of languages is the foundation. The stories were made rather to provide a world for the languages than the reverse. To me, a name comes first and the story follows. I should have preferred to write in Elvish, but of course, such a work as The Lord of the Rings has been edited and only as much language has been left in as I thought would be stomached by readers. I now find that many would have liked more. But there is a great deal of linguistic matter, other than actually Elvish names and words, included or mythologically expressed in the book. It is, to me anyway, largely an essay in linguistic aesthetic, as I sometimes say to people who ask me, what is it all about? He says that names come before anything else. Before the stories. So Trotter really inspired him. Yeah. Tr- so basically like... Bingo Bulger Baggins. Yes. Was just like, came first. Well, you notice that when he ditched those names, the, the content of the story is completely changed. So when notice. he ditched Bingo, they spent a lot less time in a nursing home winning, you know, like free tickets yeah. to Golden Corral. Uh, when he ditched Trotter, everybody just stopped trotting. No, they just did gallop and canters mostly. Like, they could gallop, they could canter, they could jump over those little hurdles, Mm -hmm. the ponies, I don't know what that's called, but they couldn't trot. Right, okay. Didn't fit the names anymore. Absolutely. So they were allowed to, after the names were finalized, they were allowed to frode, they were allowed to be merry, they were allowed to to pip. Pip it up. Pip it up, and Samming and Wising were fully encouraged. And now everyone had a Shadowfax number. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. All kidding aside, a few years later, in a letter to his son Christopher, he semi-complained 
Nobody believes me when I say that my long book is an attempt to create a world in which a form of language agreeable to my personal aesthetic might seem real. But it is true. An inquirer, among many, asked what The Lord of the Rings is all about and whether it was an allegory. And I said it was an effort to create a situation in which a common greeting would be Ellen la lumen o mentielvo, and that the phrase long antedated the book. Nerd. So, Ryan, can you imagine if you were to approach George Lucas and ask, what is Star Wars about? Yeah, he would and tell he me that said, it's a cross between 2001 A Space Odyssey and James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, if he said it was, it's a vehicle yeah. by which I can plausibly depict aliens that look like they slept face down on corduroy pillows. I would say that's... And it was all in service of that. Everything was built on that foundation. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's not, that, that, I mean, that might have been what he really did. I mean, that's fine. But, you know, I imagine some people might have been very annoyed by this answer. I would agree. When Tolkien gave it. Okay, so if it's all about Elvish, why aren't we given more conversation in Elvish? Because people can't read it. Well, yeah. I mean, apart from the fact that he worried that people would be really, really bored. Mm-hmm. It's also, as he said, far from complete, either in vocabulary or in idiom. So, like, it was never Tolkien's intention to make Quenya, Sindarin, any of the languages into actual useful forms, right? It was all for the aesthetics. Uh-huh. There's an article by a researcher called Carl Hostetter, and he explains that the situation with Elvish is much closer to what we have with, say, Gothic than to Latin, which must surely rank among the least dead of its departed brethren. And indeed, not even as favorable as Gothic, since as relatively poor and tested as Gothic is compared to Latin, or even to Old English, there is far more surviving Gothic composition than there is in all of Tolkien's invented languages combined. So it's Gothic like, my tears that fall with the blood of raisins. Yeah, 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 yeah. And my melancholy grows in the darkness of my despair. Yeah, it's like all that's this... dead language. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like all the lyrics. That's why it's so hard to understand what what the Cure is saying. It's in Gothic because it's in Gothic. Yeah, it's it's songs in Gothic. Truly, which is a dead language. Dead, deader than Dracula. Deader than Dracula. Who they love, by the way. Because of Gothic, Goths love Drac. Bella Lugosi's dead. Anywho, wait, that's not even... That's Bauhaus. That's Bauhaus. What are you doing? I messed up. Let's talk about the languages themselves, now that I've given you some background on why nobody actually speaks them. Mm-hmm. Like, you can know a lot of vocabulary in Elvish. You can do certain compositions. But you're never going to be able to write, like, even a like rudimentary book in Elvish. It's just never going to happen. The languages, as we mentioned, were the first thing Tolkien created for his mythos. I have provided uh, you with a chart showing the Elvish language family. Oh, God. So you'll see that it started with something called Primitive Quendian, which was the language the elves spoke when they first woke up by that pool. Quendian. Me elf. Yeah, that's basically essentially what it sounded like. Cave elf. Then, of course, they were invited to come to Valinor so Mm -hmm. they could stop getting, like, captured and mutilated by Morgoth. And so it split. So we had Common Eldarin, which was the language of the elves during their march across Middle-earth. And then we had Avarin. Do you remember the Avari? Mm, barely. They were the elves that were like, hell no. Like, I would rather get genetically tampered with than go to Valinor. Oh, I have no okay. interest. Okay. Like, I can't be arsed. All right. They could not be effed to go. Well, that's right. Yeah. And so they developed their own language. All right. Common Eldarin then split once they reached Valinor. Mm, okay. So we ended up with Quenya, which is the language the Noldor and the Vanyar speak. It's like Elf Latin. Yeah. And Common Teleron, which is the early language of all the Lindar, or i.e. like 
The Teleri. Teleri. Do you remember the Teleri? Again, this is a, this many months ago. Okay, so the Teleri were the ones, they were the third group. Right. To pass across Middle Earth. And they kind of got, like, separated and broken up. And some ended up staying and settling. And there was that whole thing where, like, that uh, sea demigod, like, convinced them that it'd be really rad to stay. Right, right. And, the like, some of them got left behind purely because, like, the boats left too early. Right, okay, the boat boys, all right. The boat yeah. boys, the boat boys, right. After that stage, we ended up with something called Quendia, which is what the Vanyar speak, right? Those are, like, mm-hmm. the whitey whites. Right. Exilic Quenya, so-called because the Noldoran were in exile. Oh, okay. That was the language they spoke. Teleran, so those were the Teleri who reached the Undying Lands. It's a dialect of Quenya. Okay. And then we ended up with Sindarin, which along with Quenya is like the most complete language he invented. <laughs> and if you remember, the Sindor were the elves who inhabited Blarian, like in the far west of Middle-earth. Right. Before that part, like, back into the sea. Like, for example, Thingol and Melian, their kingdom of Doriath was Sindarin. And then there's Nandarin. These were also elves that got left behind in Middle-earth, and they eventually settled, like, kind of elsewhere. It doesn't really matter. Okay. Um, just but, a bunch of cheeky Nandos. Cheeky Nandos. Cheeky Nandos. Cheekiest boys. Cheekiest fellows. Absolute ledge. So the only ones we need to really worry, worry about are Quenya and Cinderin. The two most completest. The two most completest. So let's talk about Quenya. So one aspect of Quenya, which, as you'll recall, is like elf Latin, is that it has different registers. Do you know what a register is? It's where you put the money at the store. Yeah, so they have a lot of those. Okay. Various ones. Like, this one takes cash, this one takes bitcoins, this one takes America's traveler's checks. This one takes the teeth of infants. This one takes... Okay. (laughs) You're getting gothic again. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm speaking dead languages. Yeah, so this means... That depending on the formality and the context uh, in which you are speaking, okay, you will have very different word choices and perhaps slightly different grammar. So it's like formal, informal? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah. So, for example, when speaking in a formal setting, an English speaker might pronounce the G on the end of gerunds. So, like, instead of walking, yep. walking. See, please, sir, I am walking here. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they say in New York when they switch registers. And they're very they polite do. New Yorkers. Very polite New Yorkers, yes. Uh, and they might also avoid using non-standard words such as ain't. Mm-hmm. They might say father instead of dad, child instead of kid. Sure, sure, sure. You know what I'm talking about? So Quenya has three language registers. One is called Parmaquesta. That sounds like a type so, of cheese. It sounds like an absolutely delicious pasta dish that you would find in Sicily. Yeah. It is actually book language is what it means. So that's literary style. Okay. So all their classical works were written in Parmaquesta. Next is Tarquesta. So, like, that's a delicious pasta dish in Sicily, and they mix, like, black top into it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's Tarquesta. Mm. No, that's... Mamma mia. High language, and that is vernacular speech. And then there's Exilic Quenya, or Low Quenya. So that's what the Noldor spoke once they got, mm, had to go back to Middle they Earth. Were because they did, they were being some naughty boys. Right. Some naughty fellas. So they had Low Quenya. So that's registers. 
In terms of phonology, a.k.a. pronunciation, yeah, the pronunciation in Quenya was like Latin. So if you speak like a Romance language or even English, you can probably get the pronunciation. Okay. But the grammar's like Finnish, so it's like this weird combo. And that combo made it end up resembling Italian in oh. many aspects. And Italian was Tolkien's favorite modern Romance language because, of course, he had a favorite modern Romance language. He loved the taste of the course. Yeah, the Bama Questa. Of course mm. he did. My favorite dish. He delivered entire lectures that way. Oh, Mamma mia. Just to pay tribute to. It's a spicy elf language. language. <laughs> Grammar. So word order in Quenya, same as in English. Mm-hmm. Subject, verb, object. I.e. the boy, subject. Through, verb, the ball, object. And I don't know how much to assume that people know. Maybe most people know this, but that's not the case in every language. Right. Different languages will have different word orders. So, for example, because Japanese goes subject, object, verb. Yeah. The boy threw the ball would be shown and aboru nagita. Or the boy the ball threw. And it always has to end in a verb in that language. More or less. I mean, like, yeah, more or less. Pretty the verb always, always right? like, gets, like, popped to the end. So, like, until you get to the end of the sentence, you don't know what's going on. Yeah. Which makes it really fun makes to it translate. Good. Love the suspense. Makes it a blast. A suspense. Always the suspense. Another feature of Quenya grammar was agglutination. I'm going to try and like make this simple. So basically agglutination, instead of using like separate words to express different grammatical ideas or functions, they just keep adding more parts on to the same word. Okay. So for example, let me use Japanese again because one I'm familiar with and I'm kind of like neck deep in it these days. Taberu is I'll eat it. I'll eat it. Right? So taberu. If you add tai onto the end of it, so it becomes tabetai. Okay. That's, I want to eat it. All one word. Oh, All one yeah, word, yeah, tabetai. Yeah. If you say tabetakunai, kunai, so that means I don't. So I don't want to eat it. Yeah. Still one word, just getting gradually longer. Yeah. But let's say, like, it's something that you didn't want to eat yesterday. So you'll end up with tabetakunakata. That's hard to say. It's very hard to say. It means I didn't want to eat it, and it's all one word. So that's agglutination. That's agglutination is I've what that is. Uh, Japanese is a highly agglutinative language. I thought it'd be a country that loves bread. A gluten nation. A gluten <laughs> one nation under gluten. Yeah. Oh my god! Like that's where I want to live. Maybe like all of us who are not on the gluten free diet need to just move, like make our new country a gluten nation. Our new a gluten nation. Yeah, we need to make one. Yeah. Let's look at this a little bit uh, in Quenya. This agglutination thing. So generally, it agglutinates by adding suffixes. So I'm going to read you a snatch of Quenya. Et earello endorena utulian. That's beautiful. Thanks. It's the beginning of Aragorn's coronation song. It's even prettier when he sings it. Oh, Actually, bet. can you just play him singing it? Sing it, Aragorn. That's beautiful. So, et earella endarena utulian. So, ea is sea, and earello is from the sea. So, when you stick that elo on the end, it means from. Okay, okay. One word, all one word, just add something on the end. Endor, as we've mentioned, is Middle Earth. Yeah. Endorena is to Middle Earth. Sikorena. So, that ena means. It's a two. Two. Okay. Tul is to come. Utulia is to have come. 
Utulien with the N on the end is I have come. Oh, okay. So, like, a lot of times the way you do pronouns in Quenya is, like, you stick something on the end of the verb. Interesting. Okay. It is. It is. So that's agglutination, and that means out of the great sea to Middle Earth I am come. Oh, cool. Yeah. I like it. So that's Quenya. Next we have Cinderin. Now, Cinderin is, like... Bitch and a half to learn, in my opinion. In my opinion, if you were going to try to study one, study Quenya. Like, go easy on yourself, because Cinderin is, like, a mess. I mean, it's a mess in the sense that, like, he put a lot of exceptions and weirdness and effery into it, just Mm -hmm. to, like, make it more... So it feels like a real language, but it's also, like, as frustrating as a real language. It has Welsh-like phonology, because Tolkien thought Welsh was an exceptionally beautiful language. And so it kind of sounds like Old English or Old Norse or Icelandic. So those have like very similar, mm-hmm. sort of. And then it also has some of Welsh's grammatical features, especially the plurals, which we'll get to in a second. Oh my God. Stick an S on the end. Jesus. No, I freaking wish. I freaking wish. It's such a nightmare. Okay. So Cinderin is not agglutinative. It's analytic. So that means it conveys the relationships between words with helper words, like particles or prepositions, or through word order. Okay. So can you think of a language, another language that does that? Kind of like English. English. English does that. English does that. So you think like, oh, okay, well, that's easy anyway. No. No, this language is not easy. So because it does actually add bits onto the ends of verbs. Okay. But it does it the way Spanish does. Now, I haven't studied Spanish. You've studied Spanish. See, si. On point pronunciation. Gracias. So my understanding is that if you have the Spanish verb comer, which means to eat, it can change to the first person singular perfect past tense form homi. And basically that I... It's just one suffix, but it tells you a lot of different information. Yeah. It tells you it's first person singular, Mm -hmm. and it tells you it's in the past. So it still sticks bits on. It's just that they have, like, multiple meanings. Right. It's got a lot of different kinds of bits. Conjugation. It pluralizes by vowel shift. Can you think of another language that does that? Sounds like English. Well, sometimes. We do that sometimes. So, for example, goose becomes geese in English. Right, right, mouse right. becomes mice. We don't say gooses or mouses. The vowel just changes. And that was a lot more common back when it was Old English. Yeah. But Cinderin does it all the friggin' time, and it is, like, impossible. It is so hard. For example, think of the place names Amenhen and Eminwil. Yes. I thought about them. Do you, are you thinking about them right now? Think head. about them harder. I'm really hard, yes. I can tell. Concentrating. My eyes are closed. My teeth are gritted. I'm thinking about them. Now you're just making a poop face. Amen Hen! Amen Hen means hill of the eye. And Emin Wheel means the drear hills. Plural. So okay. Amen and Emin. Amen is the singular. And Emin is the plural. So basically, to make the plural, you have to switch the A, the A sound, to an E. Okay. A sound. And the O changes to a Y. Emin. So, Amin to Emin. Right. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. It doesn't, really. It does. I, I mean, mean I, <laughs> that's I, how Toki chose to do it. And this is also how we get Belrig as the plural of Balrog. It still blows my mind. Belrig? It, it still really pisses me off. Let me, let me tell you, I read this. I read that in an article once when I was about like 15 years old and I never forgot it because I was just like, come on! Give me a break! So, yeah, Belrig, Belrog. Oh my gosh. 
Now, the vocabulary of Quenyan Sindarin. Uh, because much of his writings on the Elvish languages are still unpublished, it's kind of hard to tell how logical vocabulary he ultimately devised. He also revised it like 90 million times. As of 2008, about 25,000 Elvish words have been published altogether. Wow. That's all the dialects and languages. That's right? a lot, though. That's not, I know. That's I know. I know. Dude had a lot of free time. Now I'd like to teach you and the listeners at home some phrases. Great. Some Quenya phrases. So one that you will often hear is Ellen Sira Lumen Omentielvo. And that means a star shall shine in the hour of our meeting. Ellen Sira Lumen Omentielvo. Good. And that's just like a formal way of saying well met. Okay. You can also say Namaria. Namaste. Namaste. <laughs> Which is, be well. Okay. Yeah, namaste. Yeah. I came from Elvish. Oh, okay. Indian people took it from Elvish. <laughs> little, little did you know. You can also say almien. Almien. Which is to good fortune. So ah. that's when you toast. Cheers. Cheers. Almien. There's also a way to say piss off. What's that? Hakal. Hakal. Which is literally, you'll be gone. How often do you think they say that, though? I feel like elves are very polite. You You think? Uh, maybe not to each other, but like to outside people, I feel like they put on their best face. I think they're, well, they have different registers. So, you yeah. know, maybe in the lowest register, maybe in low Quenya, uh, they were calling each other. Hakal! Hakal! Say it loud enough, it sounds like German. Yeah. I guess if you say anything loud and angry enough, it sounds hey, like German. <laughs> namaste! <laughs> namaste! Say namaste! Cinderin phrases. Yeah. One you will hear in Lord of the Rings is Maegovanen. Maegovanen. Um, I believe Aragorn says it to Haldir when they show up at the Battle of Helm's Deep. Okay. Bye, Govanen. So that means well met. Nice. Yeah. All right, I like that. I also looked up a way to say, I love you. Aw, cute. Gimelin. Gimelin? Gimelin. You know, do you remember Melon? Do you Melon. remember that? Yes. Is, so it's related. Okay. It's related because Melon is friend. Gimelin. Like someone you care about. Nice. Yep, Gimelin. Another way to say it. So well, you know what, though? That's good because, like, Gimelin... When Legolas wants to say that that Gimli's his friend, it sounds like his name already. Gimli, Gimeline, Gimli. Gimli, Gimeline. Well, I, that would be, I love you, Gimli. But they do. But they do. They do love each other. They're, that's they're, true. They're true bromance. Gimeline, Gimli. Gimeline. Oh my god, that's so touching. Actually, that, that's the familiar, I love you. Right. There's also a reverential way of saying it. I don't know when you'd ever be reverential to someone you like to love. Your, maybe like to your parents? parents yeah, grandparents? Yeah, yeah, older people. And that's Lemeline. 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 Lame. I also looked up how to say some insults. So, for example, you can say, Ningwerianeg. Ningwerianeg. Which means you betrayed me. Oh. You can also say, Sevig Tuan. Sevig Tuan. You smell like a monster. <laughs> Gross. And then if you stub your toe or something, yeah. you can go, ay, ay, which is eek. Ay, ay, ay. I guess it's more if you're scared. Yeah. Somebody smells like a monster and it scares you. Ay. Sevig Tuan. Ay. Ay. You smell like a smelly monster. And I'm scared about it. Eek. Eek. And that is the lesson I have for Elvish. See, you boiled it down into a very concise and listenable lesson. Yeah, but I'm going to need some feedback. Did it okay. go too fast? Did it go too slow? Was it too shallow? Was it like too in depth? Um, were people interested or were they just really bored? Because not hey. everybody likes to have no grammar. Listen, if you're bored, Hekal! Hekal! Go Hekal yourself! You smelly monster. You smell like a monster and it makes me say eek. Ay! Ay! 
So that's what I have. Good now, stuff, Joanna. What do you have, my dear? Now, let's say you're going to Middle-earth. Yes. And you got elves speaking Sindarin. you got elves speaking Quenya. you got elves speaking uh, Teleron. you got all the different languages. Yeah. How are you going to know them all? Um, I'm going to consult a textbook or ask a wizard for assistance. Well, let's say you don't need that stuff and you can consult someone else. Such as a protocol droid. I feel like I'm more likely to find a wizard. I think you're more likely to find C-3PO, the subject of my topic today. <laughs> All right, well, let's hear about C-3PO. Did you pick him because he knows a lot of languages? Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah, do you know how many languages he knows? 526. Six million, baby! There's not that many languages in the world! In the galaxy of Star Wars, there Oh, yeah, are. that's right, it's a galaxy of Star Wars. Excuse Never me. mind. <laughs> so what do you know about C-3PO and protocol droids? I know that the uh, rather proceed. I always think of them as being kind of like attachés or like emissaries or mm-hmm, something. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very like polite. I see them like receiving guests or something like that. Yeah. He is in a loving, committed relationship with RGD2. Yes. And apparently Anthony Daniels hated wearing the suit. These are all true facts. Yeah. This is very good. Now, I, I like C-3PO. He's one of my favorite Star Wars characters. You know, I know. I remember a few years back on May 4th, be like, say what Star Wars character you are. And social media, people are like, I'm Boba Fett. And be like, I'm smart. I'm Yoda. And it's like, when, bull roar. Bull roar. I was like, I'd be C-3PO because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a effeminate and prissy and uptight and anxious. And I... I like things to be in order, and so I well, like, you said it, not me. And that sounds like me. Also, yeah. you can do a British accent. Well, that's why I was. I, whenever time we play Star Wars in recess in third grade, I'd be C three PO. You know, Master Luke walking around with my arms at at a at a akimbo angle, walking around uh, like C three PO because I can do it. And so I have I have a special connection with this prissy protocol droid. So yeah, he's he's what's called a protocol droid. He's a three PO series model, which is made to look humanoid. Now, not every protocol droid is made to look like a human because there's different, all different kinds of species that use protocol droids. You might remember on the Jawa Sandcrawler, there was that one that had kind of a bug head. Yes, yes. That's also a protocol droid, but for like a bug-like species, like the Vircon. Oh, so they'd want to see him. So it's like the droids can take the form of like whatever you would be most comfortable seeing. Exactly. Like in the movie Contact. Yes, yes. Like, so, if Jodie Foster met a protocol droid, it would look like her dad. It'd be, it'd be a perfectly, if you have the gold, same body, but <laughs> yeah. Jodie Foster's dad's Dead head. head. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So he was created by Cybot Galactica, which is kind of the most common manufacturer of protocol droids. And they were equipped with this thing called a Synthetech AA1 Verbo Brain. Is that like a kind of keytar? Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a piano key necktie inside of them. <laughs> But it gave them personalities and emotions with the ability to learn and grow similar to organic beings. And C-3PO, as a, as a language-based droid, a translator droid, he had a Tronlang 3 communications module with 6 million languages programmed into it, and as well as being able to reproduce any sound that it picked up. So pretty useful stuff. Wow, man. Yeah. So he could, like, keep, like, a parrot? He could yeah. He just reproduce any sound? Well, you could... Why didn't... I'm sorry, I feel like that would have been useful. Like, he could have recorded a snippet of, like, Stormtrooper conversation. Yeah, or, like, Darth It'd Vader. Like, oh, yeah, Darth Vader being like, no, like, they're fine, cease pursuit, or something like right. that. And so, like, his friends could get away, he could just record back Darth Vader telling everybody to, like, lay off. Or he could, like, order pizza, like, in Home Alone with a talk boy. <laughs> or, or, I'd like a hotel room, please, yeah. with an extra large bed, TV, and one of those little refrigerators you have to open with the key. It's like, right away, Lord Vader. Uh, Credit card? You got it. <laughs> they could do that. They could do that. So, yeah, but an AA1 synth brain is, is super high-tech. It had a 
total data capacity of five exabytes and can operate at seven pentahertz. Sorry, 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 I thought it was made up. I don't think there's such a thing as exabytes. Okay, so an exabyte is equivalent to five billion gigabytes. That's made up. I'm quite sure it only goes it's, up to terabytes. I'm quite well, sure. Well, with our current technology, but in a galaxy far, far away, they have way better tech. Let's talk about C-3PO, the guy himself. So he was originally activated at the Cybok Galactica Foundry planet of Afa in the year 112 BBY. So does that mean that, like, by the time he met Luke, he was 112 years old? Yep. Old mofo. In the first movie, if you remember this, he says his first job was programming binary load lifters, which are these big robots that lift crates and stuff like that. But that would have been way back in the day. Way back 112 years ago, yeah. So nearly 80 years after he was created, his head and gutted chassis had been discarded in a street on Tatooine in Mos Espa. Aww. He was discovered by two human kids. One named Kister Benai, one named Anakin Skywalker. One named Henry Kissinger. One named Henry Kissinger. <laughs> yeah, one named Anakin He's Skywalker. He's really old, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Anakin found this busted-up protocol droid and brought him piece by piece back to Waddle's shop so he wouldn't notice that he was bringing in pieces. Oh. So, okay, when I saw episode one, even as, like, when we came out, well, like, eighth graders, seventh graders? Yeah. However old we were when it came out. I thought it was stupid that Anakin built a protocol droid for his mom. Because Oh, was, it's just a, well, it's supposed to help her with her housework. Your mom does not need six million forms of communication yeah. to do your housework. No, she doesn't. But reading this article on Wikipedia, I was like, okay, so that's the best he could find. He found him in pieces left behind by his previous does owner. Does C-3PO actually like, do dishes and crap? Apparently, yes. So he helped Anakin's mom around the house. He also helped Anakin make deals with Jawas when he wanted to get uh, junk to build his pod racer. Whoa. He could communicate in the Jawaese. Oh, for that's Anakin. useful. So I'm kind of thinking of C-3PO at this stage of his lifetime, like Ash's mom's Mr. Mime. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you Pokemon heads out there, yeah. Exactly. Ash's mom is a Mr. Mime that I'm convinced is a replacement for Ash's father. Yeah. Because she's so lonely. She is lonely. It's tough out there. She's probably there. trying to have it off with Professor Oak, but he's like, you know, he's too old. He's not really interested. And what's left? Mr. Mime is left. <laughs> and here's C-3PO is left over, too. Yeah. My mime! So if you remember that, that heartfelt goodbye in episode one where Anakin's basically like, see ya! So yeah, he does not give a crap. Even though that's like his surrogate dad. Yeah, so we left him behind with Anakin's mom. Here's a dumb paragraph okay. from Wikipedia. After Anakin left, Yoda dispatched a Jedi recruit to Tatooine to program stories in the C-3PO's memory. The young Jedi programmed several tales or anecdotes related to Skywalker, Queen Amidala, and the Jedi. Despite this fact, C-3PO would claim that he never was very good at storytelling. Now, this what? this doesn't come from a book. I'm confused. Or what a movie. This? this comes from Yoda's Challenge Activity Center PC game <laughs> for, for preschoolers. <laughs> but it's still considered canon. Yeah. In, in Legends Wikipedia, it sure is. <laughs> so wait, explain it to me again. So Yoda. So Yoda sent a Jedi recruit who is the the player of. Yoda's Challenge Activity Center <laughs> yeah. to Tatooine to tell C-3PO stories. Why? Because Why? Why would Yoda be just like, that droid looks bored? I just like how they send him all the way out to, like, not to not to free Anakin's mom from slavery. No, not, no! Just to give just his... Like, oh, finally, the Jedi have come! They're gonna take me out of here! I'm gonna have a real no, no, life! No, 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 free... no. No, you just tell stories to your robots. Bye. Bye. And C-3PO's like... Oh my god, thank you for the break. She is so clingy. I just love how they had to qualify. Like, despite this fact, C-3PO couldn't tell stories later in life. It's like, screw off, man. Like, so st- suck my butt. That's I awful. Suck my butt. Suck my excited butt and explode. Yeah. 
So anyway, C-3PO stuck around Tatooine these stories from Jedi Learnies, but also hanging out with Shmi Skywalker huh. and her new husband, Kleeg Lars, if you remember in episode yes, two. Yes, yes. a dude in a wheelchair. Uh, until Anakin finally returned to kill the women and children like animals, and then left him with Padme. <laughs> he just keeps a little yeah. C-3PO. God. So he, sorry, he left with him in Padme. Oh, he left with him in Padme. Okay. Finally taking him along for the ride. Okay, good. Owen Lars gave him as a gift, but for some reason, like, Owen Lars in, a, in episode four doesn't recognize C-3PO when he buys him from the Jawas. Yeah, he does Even as like a as like a, a young man, he gave it to Anakin as a gift. Is, is C-3PO like a very common model? Because maybe he just didn't know it was the same one. I mean, honestly, I probably would not remember my mini fridge from college if someone gave it to me <laughs> as a gift. <laughs> but, Damn it. All right, I'm going to have to think of something else for your birthday. Yeah. I've been holding on to that thing for like 12 years. But they were around each other. Okay, if you figure like Anakin left when he was like nine. Yeah. And it came back when he was 17 or 18 or whatever. Like, that's still like nine years with the same droid. Like, that's... Oh, yeah, no. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a long time to that be. That is a long time. Assuming Shmi got married, like, soon after Anakin left. Yes. That's still, like, a few years. So, like, why didn't he remember? Same personality, same voice. Like, Maybe they all sound like that. I don't think so. So you can count other droids in Star Wars that have different voices. Like, TC-14 in Episode One, the droid that, that leads the Jedi into the gas chamber room or whatever. It's, like, <laughs> the first scene. Yeah. Uh, or the one in Cloud City says, he shoot that. That's true. That's true. And then C-3PO goes, how good? How good? He's fussy. Moving on. You want to challenge activity center? Sorry. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. So we'll get into the more movies. Attack of the Clones. 3PO gets his head stuck in a battle droid. So less said about that, the better. Um, there's a Clone Wars cartoon in between episodes two and three. There's a handful of episodes focused on 3PO, including one with him and Jar Jar and a mission where Jar Jar was confused for a Jedi Knight. And hijinks and so. How? How could you possibly confuse Jar Jar for anything worthwhile? I don't know, man. <laughs> Just look at him. I mean, like, why just look at him? I know, I know. There's, you can skip those episodes if you watch the Clone Wars. There's a few episodes where he had to put his translation functions to use. There's one where he helped rescue Jabba's son Rada. He was able to assist in negotiating peace among the Tals, who are Muff Tax people. Yeah, yeah. And he worked with the Kindalo tree species in the toxic world of Aline. Okay. I feel like you're zoning out every time I just start. Every time you're like the tr- every time you're like this alien from this planet, this alien from this planet. I'm like, oh, I'm like, no, I'm trying to like imagine the tree species. Like, are they trees? They're like they live underground in this planet where the surface is toxic, and so they have some the droids there to like negotiate. Oh, because they don't need to worry about breathing. They don't have to breathe. Right. Got it. Episode 3, his old buddy Annie goes bad. Bail Organa gives the droids to Ramus Antilles, who's the captain of the Tantive Four, which is Princess Leia's spaceship. Now, Antilles... Wedge? No, Wedge is an unrelated character to Ramus Antilles. And this was explained uh, in some sources that, that Antilles was like the, the smith of Corellia. Oh, there were just a lot of people called Antilles. Right. Got it. During this time, he worked as the ship's cook and maitre d'. And 3PO was given a memory wipe, but not R2-D2. No, Why? they just—I guess they just didn't bother because it's like, oh, it's just beeps and boops. It says that three PO ultimately pushed the button for his memory wipe himself. What was he like suicidal? Um, I think he just wanted to do it himself, take it into his own hands. Jeez. It's pretty rough. Like, go out on his own terms. Yeah. So wait, so does that mean then after that he didn't remember like? Programming the binary lift loaders, or like the like whole part of his life is just gone. They they wipe the part where it's Anakin going bad, and like, but he remembers. So he just has like this several years long. It's kind death. of like this. It, they talk about it in some Star Wars stuff. When you get a memory wipe, you still remember like bits and pieces. Does he remember bits and pieces of being Mister Mime? I'm sure he does. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, he wakes up and he just hears himself saying like, "My mime." <laughs> what is that? Goodness, goodness, who am I? Mister Mime. 
Oh my. Oh my. Oh my. Um, <laughs> so in here is where it goes into the droids cartoon in comics. So have you ever watched the droids cartoon? No. Okay, it's about C3P and R2D2, where they get accidentally sent out into space and get wacky misadventures with like a new owner every episode. Okay. It's pretty fun. They're, they have really bad names of their owners, like Jan Tosh, Mungo Baobab, and Kirk Windjammer. <laughs> what? Windjammer is like one of my favorite arcade games. Yeah, it, it's. Was, 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 was Windjammer always like, you know, like. Was he a big buff dude that launched frisbees at, at other players, like, extremely hard? He looked like that. Oh, yeah, he does look like he was jamming some wind. Doesn't he? Yeah. So, the show is not that long. It's only 13 episodes, and there's, like, eight different comics. It's 80s as hell. I recommend it. If you can look it up, it's kind of fun. Uh, Paul Dini, who did Batman the Animated Series. Oh, yeah? Was a writer for it, as did Ben Burt, uh, our favorite Star Wars sound guy. Yeah! Anthony Daniels did the voice of 3PO. Cool. Did every episode. Well, he didn't have to um, wear the suit, so he's probably, like, totally he was like, for oh, it. I'm so into this. There's also, in between the timeline here, there's mention of an identical unit called C-3PX. Ooh. He's like... A it's like the more extreme version of c He's an identical golden protocol droid who's programmed and rebuilt to be an assassin droid with A3 weapons hidden on its body. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I can't imagine a C-3PO, like, assassinating anybody. Now guess who programmed him? Oh my god, was it Boba Fett? Darth Maul, baby! No, he didn't! Darth Maul can program? He programmed a BX and 83 weapons hidden on his body, and he got a kind of mix-up in hijinks as C-3PO and C-3PX got mixed up. Sorry, didn't an 11-year-old write this? Yes! Also, like, how did Darth Maul have time to learn how to computer program when he was studying the Blade? <laughs> good question. That's good. Touche. Yeah, just saying. That was a comic series in the in the early two thousands. Sounds dope. It is, and by dope I mean dopey. <laughs> but back to three PO. Uh, after years of rudderless drifting between different masters, him and R two eventually made it back into the service of the Organa family. Okay. We catch up with him in episode four. Yeah, the Legends continuity is a mess because uh, it says at some point between one ABY and zero BBY, Captain Ramus Antilles sent the two droids to the Star Tours travel agency. But when? When did that happen? That Sometime between 1ABY and 0ABY. Why'd he do that? Because Disney World has a ride called Star Tours. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so that has to be worked into the, like, the, the canon as well. Yes. Star Wars, I think sometimes you can just be like, hey, this isn't canon. Like, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. This is why this stuff isn't canon anymore. Yes. Then we go on to the original trilogy. Uh, things happen as you saw them. But the Star Wars comics adaptation of A New Hope added a bunch of weird 70s stuff. So, like, C-3PO and R2- Yeah, she was in it. She was in it. She played C-3PO. Love story. They're always constantly watching and talking about love story. <laughs> so, here's an example. So, C-3PO and R2-D2, when they crash land on Tatooine, they're wandering the desert. In the movie, they, they kind of split ways and all that. Just, but in the comics, they fall through a hole into a subterranean tunnel populated oh. by mole people Whoa. who fed them to an acidic lizard named the Gotar, Whoa. who then spit them out onto the surface, and then they split ways. Was there a point to that whole interlude? Pages, baby! Pages, man! Page count! Yep. Anyway, here's some more fun details. By fun, I mean stupid. When the Alliance transferred to the ice world of Hoth, 3PO continued to work with Princess Leia on some on some personal matters, such as drying out her clothes in the frozen environment. Okay, sure. From so, on laundry gonna, duty. Someone's gotta do it. I mean, here's an example of cool writing on Wikipedia. After escaping Hoth, C-3PO and Han Solo <laughs> developed a strange relationship with C-3PO. <laughs> okay. Facebook status is complicated. It gets worse. With C-3PO quoting odds and Han defying them. That's why you what don't tell me. Ah, they love this strange relationship. That's a strange relationship. That's a very, very specific. Like, I don't know if I would call that a whole relationship. I might call that like, like, oh, that's a thing that they do. Yeah, that's you know, like a weird habit. Not necessarily a relationship. No man. 
So our whole relationship is built on me quoting odds at him and to, him to find them. What a strange relationship! What a strange relationship! So apparently, when three P was blown up on Cloud City, remember that he got exploded into pieces. Yeah. Um, Vader found his parts and uh-huh. like held up his head and remembered him and was like, "Oh, three P, oh my friend." Uh, he ordered him to be destroyed. Three <laughs> P, oh my friend, destroy him because <laughs> he knew too much or something. I don't know. So then the Ugnos found him and gave him back to Chewbacca. So it was fine. But like, okay. apparently, in one of the comics, that happens. I feel um, like in all the comics, they wanted to work Darth Vader into it somehow, and so they just do yeah. it, even though it made no goddamn sense. Yeah, it's real goofy. As far as episode six goes, he's given as a gift to Jabba. He was the god to the Ewoks. Everything happens as as shown. Uh, after episode six and Legends continuity, a bunch of really weird stuff happens, which I've talked about before, with, like they use Vong and stuff. See, 3PO is present for a lot of that. Heck, there's a translator to a group of sentient raptor people called the Sisaruk. <laughs> cool. At the Truce of Bakara, which is a really bad book. Yeah, yeah. And there's another mention of Star Tours, because there's a separate Star Tours continuity from the new version of the ride. How does the Star the ride. Tours have branching continuities? I don't know. Um, there's all that stupid stuff from the Jedi, Jedi Prince series, where he was a member of Spin, babysitter of the Solo Kids. He's a member of the Spin Doctors. All that stuff. All that stuff. So I'm not going to go into that stuff because it's dumb. Okay. Let's talk about the co- the canon continuity, the new Disney continuity. Okay, I'm ready. Lay it so on So 3PO continued to work with Leia well into the Resistance mm-hmm. and became her spy master. I guess he could be because they don't, yeah. don't well, anticipate. He had a network of spy droids all around the galaxy. Oh. That would communicate back little, to him. little birds. Little birds, little droid birds. Yeah. Whoa. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, that's neat. So it was a good job for him. He's kind that's of a un- good job. an unassuming spy master. He seems like the kind of person who would be like, Ad- administrating things, but not, like, doing the dirty work himself. Right. Now, you're probably asking yourself, when you saw episode 7, like, what the heck? Why has the people got a red arm? This is so weird. Yeah. It was so weird. Why did he have a red arm? Well, there is a series of one comic ep- issue called T-3PO, Phantom Limb, which explains why he got that red arm. Because, like, his regular arm got cut off, but he was still feeling all this this pain in his phantom limb, and other therapies weren't working, and so they're like, wait a minute, he's a robot, we just put another limb yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, you basically spoiled it for everybody, that's fine. Okay, that's what the comic's about. It's all about no. people, it's all about the, the, the horrors of phantom so limb. So basically, Admiral Akbar gets kidnapped by the by the First Order. His cyanide fish man? Yeah. And so they recover a First Order droid called MR-1, or Omri. Um, but on the way back to base, they crash land, and everyone dies except for, like, seven droids, including C-3PO and Omri. And so there's a construction droid, two security droids, and a medical droid, and they're stuck on this, like, awful acid rain planet. Yeah. And they have to get out of here. But they're right? droids, so it doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't, but their ship does crash, and they don't have anywhere to go. So they find there's a signal for a, a First Order ship, uh, like, a few miles away from where they crash. Like, okay, we gotta go on a droid adventure to find this place. Yeah. It basically becomes a horror movie as one by one the droids are wiped out. One gets killed by a spice spider. One gets ripped apart by tentacle monsters. Ooh, um, this is an anime action. So basically that. only 3PO and Omri are done by the end of it. And they kind of talk about what it means to be sentient and a droid and all that. Holy cow. Um, they find the beacon belonging to a crashed TIE fighter, which has a computer on it. Okay, great. We can finally communicate back to the Resistance. Yeah. But... Then it starts to acid rain really hard, and there's only a spot enough for one of them to hide. And it takes a long time to do it. And so Omri, who's this black droid, this black protocol droid with a bug head, yeah. decides, like, fine, I'll sacrifice myself. I'll, get, I'll transfer over my information to you, 3PO. I will contact the resistance oh for you. 3PO hides out. The acid rain falls. It turns out Omri used to be red. As his black paint melts away, oh. leaving only his arm behind. So 3PO, who lost his arm to this beast called a can-can, yeah. um, decides to replace his own arm with the red arm in, in memory of his friend Omri. So anyway, behind the scenes, 
So Anthony Daniels, as you know, played him. He said, he said he was miserable in the suit, and that is totally true. In the script, Lucas kind of intended for 3PO to be like a used car salesman kind of personality. What? Really? Yeah. Not like prissy, but... No, but but Anthony <clears throat> Daniels said, no, no, this guy would be kind of like a butler. And so he yeah. acted him like that. And so basically, anytime 3PO shows up in a thing, Anthony Daniels is there to play him. So in a 2009 interview, he stated that the characters never left him and expressed his fondness for the droid. Although he is at times considered moving on to other things, the notion has never remained with him for very long. And he feels he knows the character better than anyone, and sees C-3PO as being like his best friend. Whoa! C-3PO is real and strong, and he's my friend! He feels responsibility to continue playing him, or else C-3PO would be very upset. He you said know, Anthony! <laughs> yeah. He's not real, though, Anthony. <laughs> you realize that. Like, C-3PO, he's, like, not a real guy. He's a little protective of the character, as you can tell. Yeah, no, yeah, I can definitely tell. He's the only actor to appear in all six original movies. Ooh. He also has the first line in A New Hope and the last line in Episode 3. My god, C-3PO is, like, the framing narrative. So he said, did you hear that? They shut down the main reactor. We'll be destroyed for sure. This is madness. That's the first line in yes. A New Hope. Closing it up with, oh no! They say he's going to get a memory wipe. So, oh, wow. bookended by Book 3PO. Bookended by C-3PO freaking out about things. So the suit is a pain. You mentioned that. He yes. could not sit down while wearing it. He had to lean against a board to rest between shots. That sucks. Six people were responsible for dressing him up in it. It took two hours to do. Wow. So and they're in Tunisia. They were in the desert. Speaking in his voice is difficult, too. It causes tension and uptightness in the back muscles. Wait, speaking in his voice, that's not how Anthony Daniels actually sounds? No, no, no. He's not that prissy in real life. Oh. As C-3PO is not a relaxed character, Daniels cannot perform his voice in a relaxed manner. Right, right, right. He's so he has to constantly be, like, tense. Yeah, so I think the suit probably helped with that. Oh, yeah. And he goes into record for the TV shows, he probably sits bolt upright. Yeah. And just hurts his back in the process. God. I'm running kind of long, but I do have a little game I prepared. Okay, I'm ready. Because you talked a little bit about the dead language of the goths earlier. Yes. And 3PO is kind of a, a mopey droid. And so I have a game called C-3PO or the Smiths. Oh, wow! So I did see which one said what? Yes. Okay. Is it C-3PO or the Smiths? So we'll start with kind of a low ball here, under underhand toss here. We seem to be made to suffer. It's our lot in life. Now that is C-3PO. I know that All one. All right, good. So you can play along at home, guys. That's one for one. I was looking for a job, and then I found a job. Heaven knows I'm miserable now. The Smiths. You got it. Yeah. Two for two. I don't know what this trouble is all about, but I'm sure it must be your fault. That's C-3PO, talking to R2. Good. Right? Yep. Why do I give valuable time to people who don't care if I live or die? That's me when I was, like, 17. Bzzzt. Okay. <laughs> the Smiths. The Smiths. Okay. No matter what I do, I'll come to the same end. Termination. Okay, that's gonna be C-3PO. <gasps> no! C-3PX in the house! Right! It's a question! It's a question! It wasn't one of the choices, you dick! Bow, 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 bow. C-3PX! <laughs> you dick, you can't do that! What makes most people feel happy leads us headlong into harm. The Smiths. You got it. Days like this make me think I was made under a bad sign. C-3PO. Yep. Yeah. You've got to come back. You wouldn't like, want my life to get boring, would you? C-3PO. Okay. I mean, you can if you imagine these in either one's voice, you got it. That's right, C-3PO, but you like, you know. I know, I could imagine it either way. That was a hard one. Days like this make me think I was made under a bad sign. Yeah. I'm Morrissey, I'm very sad. Something's not right because now I can't see. Oh, oh, oh. Yes, that's much better. Wait, wait, what have you done? <laughs> it's gonna be C-3PO, right? It is. Okay, <laughs> that'd be a weird song by the Smith. Well, the oh, 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 though, threw me I off. I know, I thought that would throw the you oh, off. Oh, oh, really threw me off. There are brighter sides to life, and I should know because I've seen them, but not very often. 
the Smiths. Yeah, wow, you're good at this. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Why I should stick my neck out for you is beyond my capacity. That's C3P. I remember that line. Nature is a language. Can't you read? Morrissey. Yes. Wow. I could see him, like, taking you out into the woods and, like, saying that and just yeah. being, like, all freaking, like, I don't know, like, high and mighty about it. I and, bet, yeah. Because, like, you don't know which side of the which side of the bark the moss grows on or something. <laughs> He's like, oh, I wasn't scooped. The possibility of successfully navigating <laughs> an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Okay, that's C-3PO. No, that's the Smiths in their song, The Possibility of Successfully Navigating Asteroid Fields Approximately 3,720 to 1. <laughs> you fucking rap! The Possibility of Successfully Navigating an Asteroid Field Wait, is isn't that CD you played for me? Didn't it have that song? That's the Smiths, yeah. That's the Smiths, okay. One of the most famous. That's the Smiths, yeah. Yeah. A B-side, maybe, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morrissey. You did pretty well. Did I? What did okay. I get? What's my score? Uh, let's see, there's 13, you missed, like, two of them, so 11 out of 13, that's pretty good. So basically MC3PO. Basically our Anthony Daniels. Don't tell Anthony Daniels, though, because he'll come cut me. You're either Anthony Daniels or you're Morrissey, so good job on that. I think I'd honestly rather be Anthony Daniels. Yeah, probably. He's kind of a jerk, though. I know he didn't get along very well I with know, Kenny Baker. that's what I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I got. We had laughs. We did. We had good times. Now, Do you want to explain... Our new game? We have a new segment. It's not another game of 3PO or the Smiths. It's a game that we're going to be needing your input on. And it's going to be the challenge to find the worst Lord of the Rings or Star Wars name in the entire canon. And we literally can't do it without you. So we're going to throw this up on social media and you're going to have to vote. So the way this is going to work, Joanna is going to present a terrible name from Lord of the Rings. I'm going to present a terrible name from Star Wars. And we want you guys to figure out which one is the worst, okay? And whichever one wins is going to continue into the next week to be challenged by either a Lord of the Rings name or a Star Wars name, depending on which one wins, okay, as the worst. Yes. So I'm bringing my ace in the hole today, Joanna. You're not going to lead with, like, the best one, are you? Because then you'll have nowhere to go but down. I'm starting with Kirk Windjammer. Oh, Kirk Windjammer! So that's my example of a bad Star Wars name. He is an owner of C-3PO during the Droids cartoon, and he's got a sweet mohawk. Kirk Windjammer. So who's going to challenge Kirk Windjammer, and who has the worst name in all of Star Wars and Lord of the Rings canon? All right, so... Lay it on me. I'm ready. Are you ready for this? Yes. Fatty Lumpkin. Fatty Lumpkin. Ooh. Which sounds like something your grandma calls you, like, when you're kind of a stout young man. Yeah, it's a cute name. Yeah, grandma's little Fatty Lumpkin. It is actually one of Tom Bombadil's ponies. Fatty Lumpkin? That's a mean name for Tom a Tom Bombadil, I know. I know. And presumably, it's your horse. If it's fat, you're overfeeding it. Jeez. So, like, lay off. So, it's up to you guys to figure out Kirk Windjammer. Or Fatty Lumpkin. Or Fatty Lumpkins. Who has the worst name if Fatty Lumpkins win, I'll come with a new Star Wars name next week. If Kirk Windjammer wins, Joanna will come with a new Lord of the Rings name. Oh, I got some. I, well, I not, got some well, on I got my list, sleeve, dude. man. I'm going I'm to kill this. And eventually, if one wins enough times, we'll raise their, their jersey to the rafters and retire them. And then we'll maybe have like a big uh, big showdown by the end of it. Like, who's got the very, very worst name? Yep. Do like a bracket or something. That's assuming everybody participates. You better participate. All you have to do is click a button. Like, it's not that much time out of your day, okay? And literally, each one is like two words. You don't have to read that much. It's easy. So do it. Please, help us. Okay? Okay. Uh, so with that, we are going to sign off. You can find us online at www.whatslightsabersprecious.com or email us at whatslightsabersprecious at gmail.com. Yep, you can find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. You can rate us up. 
And let us know you like the show with a review. Uh, again, make sure you go on the Facebook and vote for which has the most terrible name of all canon. Hit us up on social media. Facebook. Not only Facebook, but also Twitter. Twitter, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, I'll put a poll on both and we'll see which one. Uh, we'll kind of collate the data and we'll figure out which is the worst name. And hopefully by then I might have my new banner image I've been working up. Uh, Ooh, maybe that'll be... I've seen it, guys. It is a winner. It is something else. So anyway, guys, thanks for listening. All right. Bye, Hobwalks. Bye, bits. Bye.